Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. Today, we have a wonderful show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by Fahad Massar, who is the official spokesperson for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in DC. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Shell Magazine's upcoming mixer in Houston, Texas on January 28th at the Fogo de Chao, uh, starting at 5.30 p.m. in the Woodlands. It's a mixer you don't want to miss because of the fact that there's going to be a lot of great people there. Uh, we've all been stuck indoors with COVID and uh, we want to try to get back out and build our businesses back up. So if you want to sell to oil and gas or if you are in oil and gas, I encourage you to join us. For tickets, please go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. You can get your ticket there. The mixer will include as well is our guest speaker will be Jason Modulin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And he's going to be talking to us about what we can expect this upcoming session, some of the stuff that the oil and gas operators are going to face and some of the regulation. And we'll also be joined by the vice president of Halliburton, Paul Shepard. It's definitely a mixer that you don't want to miss. For more information to attend January 28th, Mixer at 5.30 at Fogo the Chow in the Woodlands, please visit shalemag.com, S-H-A-L-E-M-E-G.com. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. Sure is, and I'm very excited because we will be joined here shortly, Bahad Nassar, who is the official spokesperson for uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, get us caught up on the recent meeting with OPEC Plus, so definitely don't want to change the channel, but before we bring him on, let's talk a little bit about, we have a new president, and on his first day, he immediately canceled the Keystone XL pipeline, and there's been some movement on uh, some unhappy people and, of course, the country, um, what are the implications on that move in your view? Oh, gosh. Um, it, so, you know, I, I guess the main thing is, you know, we've, we've left a, a very pro-energy uh, and pro-oil and gas administration, and now we're moving into one that's going to impose limits. Um, the Keystone XL pipeline um, expansion uh, is designed to bring a, a lot more crude oil into the country from Canada uh, down to the Gulf Coast uh, refineries. It's a heavy crate of crude and that's what most of the refineries along the Gulf Coast are set up to process heavy crudes. And so now that those volumes won't be coming from Canada, all the refiners will have to bring it in from the Middle East and and other countries around the world. And so it just, you know, it's it's a policy decision. It's it's anti-oil and gas and it's, really done mainly, uh, not not of any, you know, they make up these environmental rationale about it. But the main thing is just to, as a power play, to- I was gonna to say, it never solves a problem. Oil and gas lobby. Yeah, right. It never it solves solve a problem anything. because we, we still have climate change, right? And, and we're still getting right. it from somewhere. How can a, the United States, I and mean, much of Keystone XL expansion 
and Canada has already been built. So how can the president, just a president, just come in and cancel a multi-billion dollar investment like this? I mean, it almost sounds like what happened in other countries, Mexico, and it makes energy operators yeah. not want to go to those countries anymore. And or Venezuela or, you know, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, that part of it to me is the most disturbing aspect of this. This is an $8 billion investment. Uh, it's a 1200 mile long pipeline several hundred of which miles have already been built, uh, including the park that goes across the border from the United States into Canada is already built and in the ground. And so now you're canceling the cross border permit so nothing can flow through the pipeline. Um, and just doing it by fiat, you know, just a decision by the president to say, oh, sorry, TC Energy, which is the builder of the pipeline, your billions of dollars in investment uh, are gone now. And by the way, you're not entitled to any compensation from the federal government for this decision. You just have to eat that money. Uh, you have to lay off all the labor union employees that you've been using to build the pipeline, by the way. They're using purely union labor, which used to be a favored constituency of the Democratic Party. Right. But that's that constituency has been overwhelmed by the left-wing environmentalist movement. And so, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's the motivation behind it. Um, well, so. I know Canada's promising litigation, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Um, and I, may, I would suspect TC Energy will probably file a lawsuit as well, but you know, you're up against the might of the federal government, so it's gonna be very yeah. difficult. Well, let's switch gears. President Biden has also promised to outlaw hydraulic fracturing on federal lands. He's been saying that since he ran in the end of new yeah. federal leasing efforts. So what are the latest efforts on that front? Yeah, um, so interestingly, I, I kind of thought he'd file, uh, sign an executive order to ban hydraulic fracturing on federal lands on his first day. He didn't do that. Um, he, he hasn't done anything to this point in terms of you know, cutting back on federal leasing, but they, they do continue to talk about it. His, his advisors, his secretary of interior, and other officials, you know, coming into the administration, continue to talk along those lines. And uh, I guess the devil will be in, in the details on that. Um, from you know, from a positive standpoint, for us in Texas, we don't have many federal lands, so doesn't really have any big impact in Texas. And and frankly, the the inability, you know, coming to to drill wells on federal lands probably will end up spurring more drilling and production and tax collections here in Texas. So uh, from a Texas standpoint, probably is, is okay for our industry here, but nationally, for the oil industry nationally, it's, you know, it's just another signal that, uh, you know, we're going into an anti-oil and gas administration that is going to be doing things like this. And, and so you just have to be prepared to deal with it. Explain to me, um, so when we're going into anti-oil and gas administration, uh, explain to me what's, what things start happening in the way of energy. You know, is it a fluke? Yeah. Is, it, is it a fluke that we're seeing higher prices already at the pump? Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of questions from shell readers on sure. you know, what's happening here. I mean, it's not a fluke. I, I think a lot of the increase in, in crude prices over the last couple of months since the election are basically uh, traders and analysts in the, in the industry who trade in crude oil 
on the global market anticipating these kinds of uh, production limiting moves here by this administration. They can see a US pullback and you know, we've been the leader in growth in oil and gas production for the last half decade now. Uh, now they can see these people trading in oil and gas futures can see we're going to be pulling back on that. We're gonna become much more heavily reliant on imports of crude oil from other countries. And that's going to result in a tightening of supply uh, globally because we're going to continue to use oil in the United States. Uh, the same amount, have to right? Get it from elsewhere. From right? somewhere else. And we're going to pay it at yeah. a higher cost. Yes, exactly. Right, exactly. So, uh, so that's, that's why you're paying more at the pump in large part. It, it almost seems like, what are we doing? <laughs> We've got it here, but we're not going to drill here because of the environment, but we're going to go get it from somewhere else, another country that doesn't have the regulation and standards. Right. But we're going to still need it, so we're going to import it now, and we're going to pay it at a higher cost. Go figure. Let's Keystone's a prime example of that. Before we move on, is the prime example of that because that that oil up in Canada is going to be produced and moved one way or another. If it doesn't come down to the country on Keystone Pipeline, it's going to move on trains or trucks, right. which it's are going to produce and more air. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's yeah, crazy. So it that just that, makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, I thought I was the only one going crazy, Dave. Thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> I've been crazy for a long time. <laughs> Paris, the Paris Climate Accord, uh, Biden has recommitted the U.S. What does this mean for our country? Oh, well, it means a lot more money out the door. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's a wealth redistribution mm -hmm. scheme, basically. I mean, it, it requires the U.S. to pay in billions of dollars every year to subsidize clean energy development, or at least it's supposed to subsidize clean energy investments by you know, uh, other countries, third world countries who don't necessarily have the resources. Unfortunately, what nobody ever wants to talk about is that the Accords really don't have any strong controls on how that money ultimately gets spent. So some of it will probably be spent on clean energy efforts and a lot of it won't be. I mean, a lot of this money's going to be going to countries with extremely corrupt governments. Um, and, and a lot of that money's going to kind of disappear into the ether. So um, it's not going to do much to impact climate change, if anything at all. The, even the proponents say it might lower projected temperatures by one quarter of one degree uh, by the end of this century. So it's just it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. Biden's the president now. And um, so we just have to, to live with that, you know, uh, among all these other things. <laughs> I don't know well, what else to say about it. Well, I didn't mean for our segment to be doom and gloom uh, pertaining <laughs> to the energy sector, but I did want our listeners to get a really good understanding of um, when you start seeing, you know, higher uh, prices at the pump, famous words that elections have consequences, it matters to you and your utility bills also. And uh, you yeah. see things rising, uh, one, because of COVID, and then to make it worse now, we're limiting energy or importing it from other countries, making us, of course, less safe because now we have a vested interest in seeing what's happening in other parts of the world, which we really didn't have to before. So I, I you know, wonder how fast it'll be before we get involved in a war. And you notice we didn't have any wars for four years, but um, we'll see when, when another war pops up. 
Um, but David, that is all the time that we have for this segment. When we return from break, we will be joined by Fahad Nassar, who is the official spokesperson of Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. David, now it's time to welcome on our guest, Fahad Nassar, who is the official spokesperson for the Embassy of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in Washington, D.C. So, Fahad, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Dan. You know, we're, we're very grateful for you to come on and give us updates because there's always so many questions that people in the oil and gas sector, especially here in the United States, you know, really want to try to get a feel for what's happening at the Kingdom, OPEC, OPEC+. Plus. So I want to jump in because we've got a limited time with you. So OPEC Plus, they had a meeting and made big news because it seemed like they, because of the significant uptick in crude prices, they decided to come up with an agreement, at least for the first quarter in 2021. Can you tell us a little bit about what that agreement is? Right. So I followed the uh, proceedings of the OPEC Plus meeting that took place last week very closely. Uh, More specifically, I listened very carefully to what His Royal Highness Prince Abdelaziz bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's oil minister, energy minister, said as he opened, he is the the co-chair of the ministerial uh, committee, and he he opened it, and he took the opportunity, uh, rightly so, I believe, to remind the world and uh, oil producers, more specifically, that despite what was a very difficult year last year, the year 2020, that OPEC Plus actually was did manage to achieve a remarkable uh, success. And that last year, despite all the difficulties because of uh, the pandemic, uh, did mark, I think, a turning point in the history of the organization. So His Highness spoke and stressed the importance. One of the reasons he basically said that we were able to foil uh, OPEC Plus was able to, to endure and, stay, and to stabilize oil markets for a number of reasons. One is that perhaps more than ever before, the member states realized that um, this is obviously, we are all in this uh, together, that uh, we must reach a, a collective uh, solution that many of the challenges that we faced, and I think uh, the pandemic was perhaps the, the most stark, but many of the challenges that we face in the international community are indeed global in nature and uh, require global solutions. Uh, so it became very clear, I think, to the member states last year that it is very important to that everybody has to share the burden. Everybody has to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to comply with the uh, commitments that they made. And also that it was also important 
that the organization itself did show some flexibility by offering the compensation uh, option for uh, countries that did not comply with their commitments for various reasons. So in, in a way, it was a very difficult year, but at the same time, it was a watershed year. It was a, a turning point and an important uh, point in the history of the organization. Again, emphasizing all these important principles going forward, which I think bodes well for the future of energy markets in general. Ahad, uh, as part of, the, uh, part of the deal that was struck uh, in early January, uh, the kingdom agreed to you know, in addition to the, I don't know how many millions of barrels of oil it's already committed to cut uh, from its exports as a part of the deal. But you also agreed to to cut an additional 1 million barrels a day uh, during the months of February and March, which is a very, you know, really an extraordinary volume of oil. Um, can, you, can you tell us about the motivations behind that? Was there, you know, I've seen media reports that there was, you know, Russia was, you know, kind of putting pressure on the rest of the group to to cut more. Um, and I just wonder, you know, what what led the kingdom to, to make such an extraordinary commitment for two months? Sure. So one of the things that I think 2020 underscored is the need uh, for somebody to play a, a leadership role in OPEC and OPEC plus. Um, and frankly, many of the member states um, expect over the years have come to expect that Saudi Arabia would play this leadership role. Uh, as I said earlier, Saudi Arabia has fully embraced the fact that we live in an increasingly interconnected world. We live obviously in a, in a global economy and oil is a global commodity. And, but there's, there's obviously different parts of this equation. You have producers, you have consumers, you also have investors. And if we take uh, all of these three parts into account and work towards uh, a stable and a balanced energy market that not only works and benefits all these three elements of producers, consumers, and investors, but it's also good for the overall health, certainly for the long-term for uh, energy market. So His Royal Highness Prince Abdelaziz bin Salman, our ministry, our minister of energy spoke very frankly about the, uh, the reason that Saudi Arabia undertook this measure. He did say that this is a voluntary cut. It is not unlike what we did back in June. And this is obviously based on our reading of uh, current demand uh, in the market. He also was, uh, you know, spoke very frankly about the fact that asking other members to, uh, to cut their own production at this particular time would present an undue burden. Uh, and this became clear to us, obviously, in, the, in our negotiations with the other members. So he said, you know, Saudi Arabia thought of this very carefully, and we undertook this measure. He did describe it also as a goodwill gesture from our leadership, from His Royal Highness Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, more specifically, um, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. And it is basically along the same lines of, it's a continuation of what we've done last year, to be honest. Uh, obviously, Saudi Arabia was instrumental in the agreement that was reached back in, uh, in April, the historic agreement that reduced production by nearly 10 million barrels a day. And uh, after that, in June, as I mentioned, we undertook a 1 million barrel uh, voluntary cut. So we're doing it again this way out of the, the hope that obviously it provides a little support and a little stability uh, to the market, but it's also out of the understanding that there is an expectation among the other members for Saudi Arabia to lead. Uh, and in fact, His Royal Highness Prince Abdelaziz spoke about 
He is the co-chair of the ministerial meeting as well as the compliance committee. Uh, and he said that uh, he was considering stepping down and allowing somebody else to, to chair that, but it was in fact other members of the organization that insisted and, and implored him to stay in his role uh, as chair of the, uh, the ministerial monitoring committee as well as the ministerial committee. Uh, and then I think that's an indication that uh, Saudi Arabia has, it's, has it's, it's, uh, there's an expectation for Saudi Arabia to lead right. on stabilizing energy market and we have embraced this role. Very good. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we want to talk about what happens in April when you all meet again. You're listening to you on the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. We're being joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and my co-host. And our guest today is Fahad Nassar, who is the official spokesperson for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in Washington, D.C. Fahad, before the break, you were telling us about uh, the commitment that uh, the kingdom has made, OPEC+, Plus, the cuts we were talking about that came on uh, or was announced recently. But there's, um, I think there, David and I, you and I have talked on a previous show about the significance of what we're going to see going forward with some of the North American operators as well as they're responding to, I think, some of what OPEC and OPEC Plus are doing and how they also probably need to be a little bit more cautious of how they're drilling and what they're, how much they're drilling. Um, But uh, my question is, what happens in April, when, when April comes, uh, is there a chance that the kingdom will extend those commitments and continue on uh, since you talked earlier segment about Saudi Arabia really probably stepping up and being the leader and making sure that oil prices are, are trying to be stabilized? I think uh, His Highness has emphasized the need to be, um, to be flexible. And I think that was, uh, we have uh, underscored that uh, last year, uh, obviously, um, by not just by, by word, but also uh, by deed, by the fact, through the fact that we, when we felt that it was necessary, we, uh, we enacted these voluntary cuts back in June and then again now. Uh, so we will obviously continue to monitor the, uh, the health of the international economy, of the global economy. And obviously, demand is ultimately what determines the level of production. But ultimately, I mean, to you know, to answer your question, I think everything changes, and the outlook, obviously, for the global economy as well as for the energy sector in general globally, will change and improve uh, once we are able to contain 
uh, and to to address this uh, challenge from the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. I think we're obviously we've made where I'm hopeful that we are about to turn a corner. Obviously, now uh, we have a number of that vaccines that have been approved. Uh, yeah. For instance, in Saudi Arabia, we've already rolled out uh, a vaccination and inoculation campaign. It's been ongoing now for almost a month. Uh, there's wide demand for it. It is going as planned. And I think we, the kingdom has done a great job, to be honest, uh, in terms of uh, addressing this threat. Uh, obviously inside this public health spread, uh, threat inside Saudi Arabia. Uh, so for instance, the past week, I think uh, the average new cases were under 100 uh, a day, and, and the deaths were in many cases in that a few days were in the single digits. So I think we have done a good job in, in that uh, regard. But ultimately, as, as I said at the outset, obviously we live in a, in a global economy and in an interconnected world. And I think that uh, COVID-19 was a stark reminder of that. So we're, hope, we're hopeful that other countries will make similar progress and will able to uh, contain uh, this pandemic. And once we do that, um, you know, the, the projections certainly uh, should be uh, looking up for, for everything. Very good. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetics surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. If you'd like more information, go to womensenergynetwork.org slash South Texas or call 855-390-0650. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman with my co-host Kim Bilotto, and uh, we're here today with Fahad Nazar, the spokesperson for uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's Washington, D.C. Embassy. Fahad, 
let's just change directions here and talking about what's happening in Washington, D.C. We have a new U.S. administration coming in. You're there at the embassy. Uh, I know that creates a ton of activity around the work you do. And I just wanted to give you a, a chance to kind of talk about how the change in the U.S. administration uh, impacts, you know, not just your country's energy-related activities, but just your, your, your entire plan uh, around what you do for the year. Right, so I think it's worth noting that last year marked the 75th anniversary of the uh, first meeting between the late King Abdelaziz Al Saud, who is the founder of modern day Saudi Arabia and the late President Franklin Delano Roosevelt aboard the uh, USS Quincy in the Suez Canal. And in those 75 years, the relationship between Saudi Arabia and the United States has continued to broaden and to deepen and to strengthen under both democratic and Republican administrations. The relationship in many ways in, is multidimensional. It has a political component. It has a security component. It certainly has an economic component. And it also has a, a cultural people-to-people -people component. Um, the two countries, I think, over the years have accomplished a lot. Uh, for one, I, I do, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that Saudi Arabia and the United States work very closely together to defeat international uh, terrorist groups sure. or militant groups. We have, in fact, fought two wars side by side. One, uh, the first time was in 1990, and then again in 2015. But we also work very closely together to stabilize global energy markets. Uh, going back to your question, uh, we look forward to working with the uh, Biden administration. We know President-elect Biden very well from his many years in the Senate and from sure. his eight years as uh, vice president in the Obama administration. I think from, from what we've seen, he will surround himself by very competent, very seasoned uh, former officials and diplomats who I think appreciate uh, the value that Saudi Arabia uh, brings in terms of stabilizing the region, the uh, Middle East overall, and also in stabilizing energy markets. So we look forward to working uh, with him. And, um, you know, I fully expect the relationship to continue to strengthen and to uh, even, you know, well into the future. Well, Fahad, I uh, want to thank you. I know we had a limited time with you. You were very, very busy. So we're glad you were able to stop in and have a quick talk with us on what's what OPEC and uh, Saudi Arabia OPEC Plus are up to. Um, thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to having you back on, hopefully sometime maybe in April, we can get an update on what's going on when you all meet again. On behalf of the show, David and I, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Well, David, that was a, a very interesting conversation. I'm so glad that we have the ability to really get directly comments from the kingdom through Fahad. But I want to ask you a question. So we've heard a lot uh, today from the kingdom, and we know about the cuts. Tell me what your professional thoughts are, are on of where we are with the North American producers and how they're viewing what's happening within Saudi Arabia. Well, I'm, I'm sure the producers are thrilled uh, by the agreement that, uh, you know, came out of that meeting in early January, particularly, uh, you know, the extra million barrels a day that the, the kingdom agreed to cut really created a 10% uh, jump in crude prices in just a few days. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're up uh, well into the 50s now where, 
just a few months ago, we're sitting at $30 oil. And a negative at one point. Right, you know, and and so, I mean, it looked like the end of the world mid-year last year. And here we are six six months later with a much healthier price situation. But we have to remember, I think, and and it's, it's an ongoing concern I have about the shale industry in particular, is that the only reason we're at $50 plus uh, on, on West Texas Intermediate today is because of the OPEC plus agreement. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the heavy compliance that those countries have had with that deal has kept oil prices uh, or gotten them back to a point where most shale companies can be uh, profitable again. But the, the, the problem is, and, and we didn't get to talk uh, with Fahad about this, but you know, come April 1st, that million barrels a day is coming back onto the market unless the kingdom says, okay, you know, we'll renew that commitment for another X number of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yet another million barrels a day to the market, prices are gonna go right back down mm-hmm. into the 40s because mm-hmm. that's a lot. The other thing that's happening right now here in the US is because the price is a little stronger, companies are beginning to gear up their, their drilling programs again and the rig count's going up. Yep. And so um, I'm afraid that by mid-year, we could end up drilling ourselves into another significant drop in crude prices, uh, you know, so. We talked about this in a, a previous show about how yeah. we hope that going forward this year and we're seeing a little bit more discipline from the North American operators to not get themselves in these same situations and bottom out mm. one more time. So if you're going to fill the vacuum, uh, you're not incentivizing uh, OPEC to continue it. They're not going to keep right. making cuts so you can keep being more profitable. So I guess it's a matter of waiting to see, you know, can we work in a global way with other oil and gas countries, or are we going to continue to? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard for the U.S. to do because we don't, you know, we right. don't have government control of production right. volumes. But there is some there is some uh, things in place, such as shortage of, of access to capital and things that hopefully might rein them in and keep them in, in that situation. Well, David, uh, we're going to get ready for break. When we come back, we'll pick up the subject uh, you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find hey you 
Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join the texas energy advocates coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today and we're back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show i'm being joined by my co-host david blackman David, we just finished interviewing Bahad Nassar, official spokesperson for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's always interesting to see what they're working on and, of course, yeah. how, you know, OPEC, OPEC Plus, um, they, what they do, their work is um, vital to what's happening here in the United States. And a lot of, I think, listeners just don't quite put that together. Very interesting interview. But I'm wondering if you can tell me how you view the new Biden administration that might impact the OPEC plus deal and oil markets in general. So what are, you know, what are your thoughts on, um, is this going to change a whole lot of what uh, OPEC plus has been trying to do of uh, stabilizing sure. oil prices? Well, prices? I mean, you're right. Of course it, it is, you know, just always fascinating to, to talk with Fahad. He's, uh, you know, his perspective is very important. I mean, the, what Saudi Arabia does on the world stage, you know, impacts everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I share your concern with with the new Biden administration, how that's going to impact what what has been a pretty stable dynamic in in oil markets here over the past three years since OPEC Plus uh, came about. I mean, it was interrupted last year by the the six week dispute between Saudi Arabia and Russia, but. Otherwise, by and large, that group has, has created a great deal of stability uh, in oil prices and stability in the markets in general. And, you know, anytime, and this is not a, a, a shot at, at President Biden, uh, anytime you have a change in United States presidential administrations, that, that has a big impact on everything that's happening on the global stage, including this OPEC plus deal. And it will have an impact on, you know, uh, the status quo that, that developed over the last several months on oil markets with prices steadily rising to more healthy levels. And that certainly has facilitated a, a recovery here in the shale business and the conventional oil and gas business in the United States. So I, you know, we, we see uh, the new administration taking, you know, several very negative policy decisions, as we talked about in the first segment, and um, the, the world sees that as well and sees us pulling back as a country in terms of leadership in oil and gas production. So it, it remains to be seen what impact that will have on OPEC plus, but we can be sure it will have an impact and, and on the oil markets in general. and. Uh, you know, the next year is going to be very interesting where, where what we do is concerned. So for us, you know, hey, just more stuff to talk about on the show. You know, it's kind of interesting, though, to think that the new administration is really 
trying to limit what we drill here. And yet, you know, we, we just don't put it together enough how we're going to get it from somewhere, folks, uh, period. And um, I would think that that Saudi Arabia, OPEC, OPEC Plus, they're, they're probably pretty excited because we're back buying from them. Sure. And they're able to control it a lot more, correct, than yeah. when we were producing here. But it also limits us in the way of uh, national security. I mean, if something happens to Saudi Arabia, they get bombed. This is where we're getting our oil from. In the past, it has always been, we have a vested interest um, in Well, and that's, sure. that's part of where the big disconnect is, is every barrel of oil we produce in the United States. That doesn't mean there's less oil being produced in the world. That just means another barrel of oil comes online from Saudi Arabia or Iraq or Iran and and replaces it <laughs> so uh, and we have this big disconnect uh in what our education system and our news media communicates to the people because people just simply do not understand that reality about all of this you know i think the one uh silver lining is that when we did speak to Fahad and um you know you start looking uh, when we, we've spoken to some of the other guests on china's population a communist country standing up and saying, because of all the coal, we have pollution here, yeah. you need to do something. We're starting to see countries that probably normally really didn't have a real energy conscious conscience, if you will, um, starting to move in a direction as well of um, how are we gonna do this in a greener way? And maybe it's painful on our end, but if they're, taking the necessary steps as well to clean up their act, if you will, and be more environmentally conscious because they're asking us to be too. First of all, do you think that it's really truthful or are they just saying these things to say them? I mean, are we going to start seeing lower emissions on those parts of the world too by them doing yeah. their share? Well, it, it's true to some extent. I mean, China has worked hard uh, and done a lot of, of things over the last few years, two to three years, to try to clean up the, the really severe smog issues, you know, they've been having in their major cities. There have been days when you can't see 20 feet in front of you for all the air pollution mm -hmm. uh, in Shanghai and Beijing and other major cities in China. So they have worked and begun very diligent work to, to clean those issues up to satisfy their own middle class. But, but last year, uh, Bloomberg and NASDAQ both reported here last week that last year, Chinese production of coal was at an all time high. And that's five years into the Paris Climate Agreement, right? So five years in, they're still not cutting back on their coal production. And that's a problem that they do export a lot of that coal, but they still use most of it in their own country. So, you know, that, that has to stop uh, for us to make any progress at all, really globally on cleaning up the environment. Maybe someday we'll see kind of what they're doing to the oil and gas operators here, which is if you're a country that still continues to pollute the planet, we're not going to do commerce with you anymore, or we're going to limit commerce from you yeah. until you, maybe you clean up your act. That might be the carrot and the stick approach in which... Yeah, it'd be fun to see all these investors doing that to oil companies in the United States start taking the same position to, to companies in China. But uh, for whatever reason... That hasn't happened yet. Well, it always seems though like the United States is the first one that gets the whooping. 
and then, yeah. <laughs> and then it possibly the jobs and yeah. the factories yes. and everything. Yes. Uh, we, yes. we always end up doing that first. Giving the first sacrifice, yes. And I'm sorry that the show seems kind of bleak This with this new administration stuff. It's a change for us. Uh, we're used to talking about energy independence and you know, our country is in solid ground now and we're, sh we're showing the planet how to do it more efficiently and more greener. Now with um, the Biden administration, we're having to bring it back on some of the insane policies that are being placed, not for bad reasons. It's just, you can't keep drilling at the same rate in one country and take it away from another country when it, we all live on one planet. So we have to start really talking about how if we're going to reduce and really get where we want to go, then that means everyone has to do their part. And the Paris Climate Accord isn't quite doing it. Um, and uh, as you said earlier. Oh, um, it's a very ineffective tool. Right. So uh, we're going to keep talking about it. It might sound a little negative Nelly, but it is what it is. And uh, the more that <laughs> do people with understand that, <laughs> the more people understand it, they might talk to their elected officials. Well, David, that is all the time we have. Look forward to having you back next week on our show. Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.